Today we'll be finishing our series, A Light in the Darkness. Um, and it's been so awesome to be able to go through that with you, learning more and more about who Jesus is and why Jesus came and, and what Jesus has really done uh, for our lives. And every time I go through this story, I'm just reminded that, y'all, we live in a world that's so dark that there's always one thing after another. Like, darkness exists here on this earth. There's always going to be tragedy. There's chaos. There's imperfections. Like, have you had days where you just felt like you just didn't want to get out of bed? Like, have you had those days? Have you had days where you felt like it's just, life is just not even worth it? Have you had days where you just want to just throw in the towel? Have you had those days before? Can I be honest with you for a moment? I've had days like that too. Where I felt like life was just absolutely too hard. Where, where life is just harsh. You know, I've had days too where I've just wanted to quit. Where I've just felt so hopeless and helpless. Where I felt like, like no one really cares. Or I felt lonely. There's been times that me as your pastor has also felt like depressed. Life can be so full of anxiety. Like how am I going to pay this bill? I'm trying so hard to even get through this addiction. And lives have just been destroyed because of 2020. 2020 just has produced so much darkness. And let me just be honest and, and transparent with you for a moment. It's because of our disobedience to God that we live in a dark world. Like, can I say that today? Like, it's because of our sin that we live in a dark world. But God has a plan for us. That God has always had a plan for us. That in the midst of darkness, God sends a light for all people. And we call this a Christmas story. And see, the Christmas story doesn't begin with a couple trying to figure out how they are pregnant. Like, it doesn't begin that way. It actually is a story where a couple is worried if they'll ever get pregnant. The Christmas story doesn't begin with a couple trying to figure out where their baby will be born. It's really a story that begins with a couple that is pretty confident that they're not able to have a baby. It doesn't begin with angels announcing that a, a baby is here. It begins with God making a promise that we'll see in Genesis 12 to a man named Abram, whose name gets changed to Abraham. And the words will appear here on the screen. So in Genesis 12, 1, we're just going to give you some history of the Christmas story, and then it will lead us into uh, what Christmas is really about. But in Genesis 12, 1, God approaches this man named Abram, whose name is changed to Abraham, and he says this, uh, The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And so God essentially asked uh, Abraham to leave everything that he knows. Like everything he knows, everyone he knows, to leave his tribe, to leave his, his family, his security, to leave his protection, which is extremely, one, dangerous and extremely difficult and extremely terrible. Like Abraham is a man that is 75 years old and he's not just rolling with a pack. And so God asked him to leave everything that he knows to a, to a place that he doesn't even know where the place is. And then he continues and says, I will make you into a great nation. God tells Abraham this, a 75-year-old man this, that doesn't even have kids at the time. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so out of faith, Abraham went. But then in Genesis 15, 5, God brings Abraham back out again, and he says, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And so God begins making this wonderful promise with Abraham, a man that is 75 years old who doesn't have any kids, that can't have kids at the time. And so essentially there's going to be a promise that there will be a great nation to come out of Abraham. But when you walk through Scripture, you start to see how that's difficult, how that's able to happen. In fact, there are a bunch of people that is a part of Israel's camp, but they are slaves in Egypt. They're slaves in Egypt. God ends up freeing them from that. Then they go through dark days in a place that's called the wilderness, trying to get to this place called a a promised land, which they can't go in, but eventually God allows them to go in. And then because of their sin, God splits this nation up into two nations. That's Israel and Judah. I'm just going to give you a little history before we get here. And then he allows these nations to get captured because of their sin. And this great nation doesn't hear from the voice of God for 400 years. For 400 years, God goes silent. That's generations upon generations from not hearing from God and being in captivity. You can't help but wonder. They're they're thinking like Genesis 12, like, wait, God made this promise to Abraham. He said, I will make you into a great nation. And they're probably like, how, God? Like, these people are mocking you. We're not a great nation. And they're reminded when God says, I will bless you. And they're like, how, God? I'm in chains. We are enslaved. We have a government over our heads. And they're reminded that God said, I will make your name great. And they're like, we're not even thought of. We're in captivity right now. And he says, and you will be a blessing. And we're not a blessing. We can't bless anyone because of the chains. And he's like, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And they're like, God, I've been cursed. We've been cursed. And he's like, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You can't help but think that they're like, nobody is blessed through us. We haven't gotten to bless anyone. And so they feel that God is a liar. Have you ever felt like that? That God has lied to you? Have you ever felt that God hasn't, hasn't kept his word? They feel like God isn't in control of anything anymore. They feel like just bad things just continue to happen to them over and over and over again. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you felt like, like Satan is winning in your life. Maybe you felt like there's nothing that ever seems to go right for you. You, you feel like you're in total bondage, that you have a, a broken marriage, that you have just this, this broken household, addictions are taking over your life, depression is running your life, dark days are happening, and you just can't seem to get ahead. Maybe you're here today because you feel like that. Maybe you're here today because you don't have any peace. You're here today because you don't have joy, you don't have love, and you don't have hope. I want to remind you this, that God wants a relationship with you. And he wants to see you and do well in life. Because even when they had messed up, it seemed like God had never left them. That he was still working. And y'all, this is why there's a Christmas story. Because when it seemed all lost for Israel, Jesus, who is God, came not only for Israel, 
but he came to save, redeem, reconcile the entire world back to him. See, behind the scenes, God had a plan for them. In fact, 700 years before Jesus had stepped on the scene, in Isaiah 9, 6, he says this, For to us a child is born. 700 years before Jesus stepped on the scene, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, it says this, but he will be pierced for our transgressions. Talking about Jesus. The cross wasn't even created yet. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. See, God had never forgotten about them. He had never abandoned them. 400 years before Jesus came in Micah 5, 2, he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancients of times. He's always had a plan for them. And let me just be honest with you. God has always had a plan for you. And so it's so important that we begin to start trusting him even through difficult situations that are in our life. If you have your program this morning, there'll be a card in there and there'll be a place for you to take notes. And at the Bridge Church, we give, we give big ideas. And so your big idea today is that even when you don't see it, he's working. So you would write that down in your pamphlet. Even when you don't see it, He's working. God is always working. And so this morning we'll be in Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to know that's okay. The British Church, we give away free Bibles. And so uh, at our welcome tent, you'll be able to get a free Bible if you need one. If you uh, have a Bible, you just don't really know how to navigate through that. You, won't, you can't find Luke uh, chapter 2. I want you to know most Bibles, if not all Bibles, uh, have a table of contents at the beginning of the Bible. And so you'll find Luke chapter 2 in the New Testament. There'll be an Old Testament, New Testament, and you'll find Luke chapter 2 there. And that's where we will be. Luke 2, verse 1, it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, everyone say Quirinius. Yeah, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Y'all, these verses is a huge, this is a big idea, uh, ideal here. Like, this is so important. Like, we can already see that God is doing some miraculous things in this passage, in this text. Uh, first, you have Mary. She's a virgin. She's pregnant. And she's pregnant with the creator of the world in her belly. Um, and they are not living where Jesus is supposed to be born. Like, I don't know if you catch that or not. Like, the place that they're living right now, she's pregnant. Uh, they're not living in a place that Jesus is supposed to be born. And so, in order to fulfill the prophecy, guess what happens? In those days, Caesar Augustus 
issued a decree that a census should be taken over the entire Roman world. What happens? We see that Rome is on top right now, and they want to know how many Jews exist and where they are from. So that means that Joseph and Mary have to travel back to a place called Bethlehem for Jesus to be born. So Joseph and Mary probably don't see God working behind the scenes. Like they, don't, they probably don't get why he has to travel or why they have to travel back there. Maybe they are frustrated having to travel with a baby in their belly. It isn't convenient for them. They are tired. They're probably frustrated. There's not a lot of food. It's dark. They're probably nervous. They're probably scared. Uh, they don't really know about where to stay. This is what their life looks like. They don't see God working, but he is. So what's being worked? God is fulfilling this prophecy that we read over in Micah 5 two. And so your first point is this. Number one, God is in control of everything. God is in control of everything. Even when it doesn't look like it, God is in control. Even when it's inconvenient, God is in control. So this virus, God is in control. The president, God is in control. The problems of this world, God is in control. The chaos in this world, God is in control. Cancer, God is in control. Money problems, God is in control. A loss of a job, God is in control. Loss of family member, God is in control. There's nothing that ever surprises God. God is in control, but he will allow certain things to happen, sometimes to groom you, sometimes to, to grow you, sometimes to, to strengthen you, but yet God is always still in control because even if he doesn't fix the problem for you, he will give you wisdom, and knowledge about how to handle that certain problem. He will provide ways for you to handle that problem. Do you think that Joseph and Mary was alone? They were not alone. They were not abandoned. So in your life, things may look dark. There may be things that cause so much frustration, and so much anger, and so much anxiety, but there is a light that is at the end of the tunnel. Life is going to be filled with, with trying times and, and dark days and hurtful days, but are you willing? Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to trust that even through the hard times in your life, God is still in control? See, we cannot let dark days corrupt your life. We have to allow God to control your life. But it means to surrender everything to him, like Joseph and Mary did. Verse 5, it says this, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And y'all, this manger isn't what you think. Right, like a lot of times we see pictures of mangers, like artists draw like this Jesus scene, and it's not as, as beautiful or, or, or pretty as some people may draw it out to look. Like this place was disgusting. It was, it was a, basically a nasty, dirty farm. It smelled like animals, I mean, which means it probably smelled like poop. 
Uh, there's probably blood everywhere. Mary is probably hurting. Joseph is hurting for Mary. I mean, some of you got kids and you stood next to your, your wives as they are delivering a baby. Like, you're not hurting, but man, you're showing empathy. You're probably hurting for them. Joseph is like that. And, and Jesus' is manger, like it, it's like a hard trough that animals eat, off, eat out of. And then you got to think, too, like it's dark. It's cold. It's not safe. And they never lost trust or forgot who was in control of their lives. And like, I've always wondered this. Like, if God was really in control of Joseph and Mary's life, like, why didn't he just deliver a, a wonderful place for Jesus? Like, have you ever noticed that too? Like, I, sometimes I struggle with that. Like, why didn't he just find a, like, if God is in control of Jesus' life, like, why couldn't he just find a place for him? Like, man, you literally have the king of kings sitting in her belly, and there's no mansion available for this king. Like, there's no king's palace. Like, the king of kings is coming into the world, and there's no place for them to stay. And I believe it's because it's a picture shown that God is willing to come into whatever dark situation, whatever cold situation, whatever bad situation going on in your life, he's willing to come to you as you are to bring you light. Like something about Jesus, the King of Kings, he didn't come in as an adult. The King of Kings didn't come in um, asking for demands, making demands. He didn't come in trying to get his needs met. Jesus stepped in a difficult time where a couple, or a couple isn't even married yet, and it looks like Mary was having a baby out of wedlock. Like Jesus stepped in, and it seemed like the husband is having trust issues, or not even a husband yet. It seemed like they, they wouldn't have a place to stay. It seemed like the, the governor was making stupid decisions to make them travel. Jesus came in a situation like that as a baby and brought joy, which means this. God is willing to come into any situation in your life to bring you light. And so I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how tough your life is today. But we all need light. Jesus just doesn't want you to go, um, Jesus doesn't want you to come to him trying to get your life right. He wants you to come to, you, come to him as you already are. And he wants to give you joy and light and hope. In fact, the light will even come to you. But you have to be willing to accept him. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so when Jesus came into the world, they thought that he was coming uh, to, free him from, to free the Jews from captivity. They thought that this would be a, a great king to destroy their oppressors, to destroy Rome. But this would have only brought joy for one nation, not for the entire world. So number two, I want you to write this down. Jesus came to bring joy for all people. Tell your neighbor all people. Yeah, tell your other neighbor all people. He came to bring joy to all people. This is why we celebrate Christmas. 
because Jesus is a gift to all mankind. And so no matter what you've done, no matter how filthy you look, he came to serve the entire world. He came to save the entire world. See, we need a savior. And the world is so dark and it reveals the darkness within. Isn't that true? Like this world is so dark and it reveals the the darkness that's within us. The world is in some ways a reflection of who we are. And let me be honest with you for a moment. A lot of times we don't want God to get to the root of that. See, a lot of times we we want God to just be this, this genie. Or just this, this wish. We want to use him to fix situations in our life, but we don't want him to tackle the root of our problems. See, we only want him to be the savior of bad relationships. Like, we only want him to be the savior of financial crisis. That we only want him to be the savior of, of, of sickness or disease or from having an uncomfortable life. But Jesus came to save you from your sins, not just the consequences of them. In fact, uh, Pastor Aaron Pontius, which is a pastor at the Downsome Fellowship in Nashville, Tennessee, says it this way. We want Jesus to spare us from the world problems, which is what our sin leads to, but not from sin itself. And if that is true for you, he is not your savior. That, that if you only want him to save you from the consequences of your sins, he is not your savior. Yes, God can restore broken marriages. Yes, he can remove addictions. But Jesus came to redeem you and reconcile you back to the Father. Like, he came to give you a new foundation. He came to give you a new root. Matthew 121 says she would give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. See, our world isn't in darkness because of a loss of, of a job. Let me be honest with you. Like, our world isn't in darkness because of a loss of a job. Our world isn't in darkness because of terrible relationships. Our world isn't in darkness because of, because of health problems or, or loss of our comforts or a loss of our freedoms. The world is in darkness because we are in sin. The world is in darkness because of our disobedience to God. And and many want to be saved from the consequences of sin, but not from sin itself. And this is what Jesus uh, Jesus says in 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. We've been living in darkness because of our sin. And the consequences has been masquerading as the root of it. The root is sin. And if I'm honest with you, sin is what leads us to death. And Jesus came to bring us life. He came to bring us joy and hope and peace and love and light. And so maybe you're here and you've lied before. Can I just say he came for you? Maybe you've cheated before. He came for you. Maybe you've stolen. He's he's came for you. Maybe you've committed adultery. He came for you. Maybe you have committed murder. He came for you. The worst thing that you could ever have done, he came for you. And he came to give you a freedom and a purpose and a fulfillment for your life. He came to make you light. And so number three, I want you to write this down. Jesus came 
to make you light. He came to make you light. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Seeing Jesus had brought these shepherds joy. Had brought them joy for their lives. So much joy that they became a light for others. I mean, they went around telling everybody about this child. That, that when Christ becomes, uh, when you start a relationship with Jesus, when he becomes the light of your life, it's expected for you to go out and share about Christ too. That if he really and truly brings joy in your life, it's something that you cannot hold in, that you're ready to tell the whole world about him coming. And your life begins to change, right? So your marriage don't look the same. Like it looks different because it's full of light. Your relationships, they look different because it's full of light. You become different because you're full of light. You just have this desire and this purpose to love God and to love people. Because Jesus did what? He loved the Father, and he loved people, and he is the light, and he's making you to be light. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world, talking to Christians. He says, you're the light of the world, meaning like you have this purpose to shine and, and, and to brighten and to overwhelm darkness in this world. Like, you get an opportunity to do that. And he says, you are a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. That people should see Jesus bleeding out of you. There should just be this radiant light coming out of you. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Jesus says that, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That because of your good deeds, people will want to know Christ. Because of your good deeds, people will want to know Jesus. No, they don't save you. But people will want to know Christ because of them. And so just like the shepherds going around telling people about this child that has been born, we have been tasked to do the same. And that's why we're called the Bridge Church. Because we want to continue to be a bridge. We're always on mission. We want to connect people to freedom, purpose, and fulfillment. And Jesus Christ, who is light for our lives. And so you all have this amazing opportunity to do that. Um, December 24th, we get to have our first Christmas Eve service. Y'all, the Bridge Church ain't ever had a Christmas Eve service. We get to have our very first one. And so it starts at 530 and what an amazing opportunity for you to be a light, to bring someone in, uh, to get to worship and to get to feel joy and to get, get to feel hope and a purpose for their lives. 
where their life will look like. Verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Mary and and Joseph and the shepherds, their lives, they were changed forever. The light of the world brought joy in the midst of darkness for them. And what an amazing opportunity that you get to do the exact same thing. I want to lead you, end you with this. John 12, 46 says, I've come into the world as a light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Is that God doesn't want you in darkness any longer. That God wants you to be a light. Be a light for the world. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just this day. God, it just amazes me. That you yourself would become man for us. A God that's lived from eternity to eternity. That has created all things. That only deserves our worship. Becomes a man for us. Meaning you became thirsty and hungry and tired. That you set aside privileges so that you could die for us. We're so undeserving of you. And God, we deserve your wrath. So God, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you walked this earth and that you lived here perfectly. And that you died on the cross, meaning you took the wrath that we deserved and it was placed on you so that we can have life and no longer death. And so God, I just pray that that you can help us to be a light for you. That we can help point people to who you are and what you've done for us. That we won't sit idle. That we, don't, we wouldn't just be consumers of your word. That we just tell people about you and what you've done for us. Because, God, you truly bring joy to our lives. And so maybe there's someone here today that's not a Christian. That you've never given your life to Christ. And you're saying, man, how do I do that? Like, what does that look like for my life? Well, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You can be saved. And it's that simple. And so maybe you're here today and you say, Chris, what do I say? Like, what does that look like for my life? Like, how does that work? And so here at the bridge, um, we collectively repeat after me. Because if you're, you're nervous and you're scared to do this, like, we, we don't want you to be alone. We don't want you to feel alone in doing this. Like, you have a church that wants to be your family that cares for you. But we just want you to know Christ and have a relationship with him. And so if you're trying to gather and look for the words to say, 
he would say something like this and, and we would repeat something like this. God, I'm a sinner. I'm fallen. And I need you. And I've heard a message that you came and died for me. So that I could have a relationship with you. So I here and now ask you to be the king of my heart. And the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.